in skateboarding, uh, if you try something a hundred times, fail 99 times and land it, like it's still, it's seen as a success. So I think that's, that's a life lesson that can be applied to um, way broader than skateboarding. Um, and then something that I learned is that you're never going to be motivated if you don't love and have fun with what you're doing. So that sounds very cliche, but like the Olympic process taught me that um, in a very, like in a much deeper way than it sounds. <laughs> That was Annie Guglia. I am Curtis Mansfield, and this is the Hips and Dips podcast. Before I introduce this week's esteemed guests, let me give a shout out to the guys over at Aerofit, who are now the new podcast sponsors. Aerofit is a breath trainer for you to use at home to improve breathing and sports performance as well as a multitude of health benefits. It will increase your lung capacity and cardiovascular performance after using for just five to 10 minutes per day. Even I can squeeze that in. It fits easily in your pocket, so it's very much transportable, even if you wish to use it from the comfort of your own sofa and it increases your stress levels. And at a time like this, we could all use a little bit of that. There are reviews on Trustpilot for marathon runners, triathletes, musicians, um, asthmatics. So it appears this product can really help everyone benefit, not only top athletes. This isn't just a product placement for the sake of it. I'm really excited to be working with Aerofit in the coming months. Uh, first of all, in a few weeks, we're going to have Sean Coakley, a global breath training expert who will be able to give me insights into how the product works, why we should all be focusing on breath training and a little about his journey in sports and music and how he's got to where he is today. I received the product a few days ago in the post. First impression was this product oozes quality. Made in Denmark, which is a rare sign to read apart from on Dan Pack and some forms of butter. The product feels premium all the way from the box to the instruction manual to the device itself. The device links up to your smartphone to provide directions and live feedback, and that connection was seamless for a wireless device. Normally, when I get a new pair of earphones or a speaker, etc., I have to endure a good five minutes of pressing two buttons at the same time, listening to various beeps, then pressing a third button while holding down a fourth. It's all very uh, complicated often, but this was a seamless transition, turn the device on and it instantly connected to my smartphone. And there we go. We were cooking with gas. Before I start my personalized training program, I had to do a lung function test and my results for a man in his mid-20s who considers himself to be somewhat of an endurance athlete were abysmal. The lung volume was a rare positive at 5.4 litres, which is actually above the predicted level uh, for someone of my activity, etc., but an inspiratory and expiratory pressure of 53 and 84 respectively was poor. If you don't fully understand those metrics, then you're in a similar boat to me, but we can learn a lot together over the coming weeks. All you need to know is those numbers hopefully will improve over the next three weeks, and if so, then jobs are good. Enough. Much more on that to come, but I'm now very excited to introduce today's guest, Annie Guglia. 
a Canadian skateboarder with more than a decade competitive experience under her belt. Had initially found skateboarding in 2001, she has risen to become the top Canadian athlete on the Street League Tour, competing at the World Champs in 2019 and becoming a two-times winner of the Jackalope Tour Women's Pro Skater Division. She's hopeful that this summer she will line up at the Tokyo Olympics, making not only her Olympic debut, but also the debut for skateboarding as Olympic sport full stop. I'm therefore delighted we can have her on the show before her popularity inevitably soars. Ladies and gentlemen, from either side of the Atlantic, it's Annie Guglia. Right, okay, I'm joined here with Annie. It's really nice to meet you. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. Thank you. All right, you're very welcome. We, um, this is now episode, oh, I think it's episode number 30 we're on now. And believe mm-hmm. it or not, you're now the fourth Canadian, which is quite interesting. <laughs> uh, before, nice. before this series of podcasts, I'd never met a Canadian person in my life. Um, and I've now met four in the space of about four weeks, which is really nice. Um, are you from the <laughs> French side of Canada or the British side of Canada? Oh, I'm from the French part. I okay. speak French. So my English might be, well, I mean, it's, it's all right. It's very functioning, but like I'm, I'm French. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Cause we've had, uh, we had Kaylee Mackay, who's a, mm-hmm. uh, you, you probably know, actually you've got the same agent. She's a uh, yeah. diver mm-hmm. in uh, your side of Canada, but she was from the British side. And then I've had, uh, powerlifter um, who is from the British side and then I've had uh, a kayaker slash canoeer who's from the French side so I've learned a lot about Canada never thought I'd know about Canada but no not now so that's uh, that's certainly a positive I've had this experience um, I will just like to caveat as well before we start the big questions by saying I'm yawning a lot today I'm quite I'm quite tired uh, it's been a busy day of training so if I yawn at any point don't be offended. It's not, it's not no. because your stories or your anecdotes aren't going anywhere. Um, it's much more to do with me, me being tired. And equally, um, <laughs> it's a very low budget, this podcast. I forgot to print off the notes slash the printer wasn't working. So I've got all the notes on my phone. So if you see me yawning and looking at my phone, uh, it's not because I'm bored. It's very much because I am tired slash looking at the notes on the phone. So please Perfect. don't be offended at any point. Okay, so... Right, so let's, let's start really with this big question we have every week, which is um, really looking at my guest's health and this definition of health, which is a complete sense of mental, social and physical well-being and not merely mm-hmm. the absence of infirmity. So kind of how is this, well, I keep saying this year, but we're now talking about more than a year, not just 2020, we're now you know quite a long way into 2021 as well so this whole pandemic how's it affected your mental physical and of course social well-being yeah um i mean i'm gonna go one by one so first mental health i want to say it's been very challenging i think it's been challenging for everybody but um for me personally it's been um it's been quite like a lot of ups and downs i feel like in 2020 and i feel like it was really hard when I was into it but now it's it's I'm I'm realizing like looking back that I grew a lot in during the quarantine and I I think it's been very positive for me um social I realized (laughs) that's a funny thing I thought I was super um, extrovert 
but I realized that I need way more alone time than I thought. And because I've been forced to have that during quarantine, and um, it helped. Like it, I don't know. I realized that I need time to recharge my batteries so that I can give even more. So that's cool. That's that's another positive like I try to look at the positive side too like because of course it's been hard and I could go on about like the challenges but I think it's more fun to hear about what I learned <laughs> and then physical um I had way more time to tr like do stuff outside of skateboarding so like I started doing yoga and stretching a lot like approximately three years ago but I've been doing it so much more during quarantine <laughs> and um i think it's helping my skating honestly so that's all the positive stuff that came out of quarantine even though it's been very challenging on all three aspects of health yeah yeah and i think um i think lots of people have had positives um i certainly have this podcast is one of those examples but um i think actually there's also a positive in just overcoming the negatives so like you said i'm sure You've had setbacks in terms of Olympic qualifications, in terms of competitions, in terms of training, in terms of nearly every aspect of your life has probably faced a new challenge or a new roadblock. But simply overcoming them and continuing to compete or continuing to survive and thrive in its own right mm -hmm. is a positive. Yeah, and and I think we like because it's such a big thing that we couldn't control. I think it's it's been like, it's cool that it's something that everybody shared, you know, like cause sometimes it's say you're having um, setbacks in your own personal life, but not everybody else around you, around you can understand, but like COVID <laughs> has affected everybody on the planet basically. So I think it's, it's like we, something that we can talk about and we understand each other's perspective on it and like each other's growth. So I think it's cool. Yeah, no, totally agree on that. Um, I'm just going to take a very quick pause there. Do you by any chance have any earphones to hand? I do. They're in my oh, you got them in? Oh, okay. Uh, I was getting a little bit of uh, feedback, um, but normally it comes out fine on the recording, so I'm hoping it's going to be fine. Uh, but if it gets any worse, I might have to take a pause and restart it, but I think it's going to be okay, so we'll just crack on. I can try to move less. <laughs> no, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think that's the issue. Um, I think it's going to be fine. We'll, we'll crack on. It's okay. Right, okay, so... Um, Next up, it's time for this little ice-breaking uh, game we play every week. Uh, basically, I try and take some inspiration from either my guest's name or what they do or something interesting about them. Um, and this week, I've devised a little game, which is called Boarding School. Um, and basically, I'm going to ask you a series of questions, uh, 10 questions from what we call the 11 plus, which is like our end of primary school exams here in the UK. I'm not sure what your equivalents are over there, but these are questions which are aimed technically at 11 year olds, but I have read the questions and I found them extremely hard. And I've also just realized that your, your native language is French, which I, which I didn't actually realize <laughs> when I wrote these. So <laughs> there is an already a massive disadvantage you have because the question is <laughs> tricky as it is there you've got the default setting that you should get none wrong is what people will think because of because uh, you're not 11. Um, and it's not rude of me to say that you are older than 11. I mean, that's, uh, that's well established. So uh, we're going to crack on anyway. 
but I do apologize if these are harder than first thought. <laughs> uh, and I haven't actually written them myself. I've stolen them from uh, Smooth Radio, which is a radio station here in London. Uh, so are you ready? No. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> okay, so this is boarding school. Question number one. Which planet is closest to the sun? Is it A, Mars? Mercury. B, I'll finish, I'll finish what I say. B, Neptune, <laughs> C, Venus, or D, Mercury. We're going with Mercury? D. Yeah. Very good. Uh, it's the closest planet to the sun, and it's also the smallest. So there we go. Right. Question number two. Do polar bears live in the Arctic or the Antarctic? Mm, that's a good question. I want to say Arctic. Arctic? No, wait, the one on top is Antarctic, right? That is the Arctic. Yeah, that is correct. Oh, it's um, the Arctic. Okay. It's, yeah, it's the Arctic. It's the one pretty close to you, I guess, over in Canada, yeah. relatively. Um, exactly. Uh, it says here on the little fact that comes up on the website, um, uh, down south in Antarctica, you'll find penguins, seals, and whales. So that's a nice little uh, little bonus fact. Right. How many years ago did the dinosaurs go extinct? 14 million years, 9 million years, 128 million years, or 65 million years? 14. 14 million years is incorrect. Oh. Was it 65? It was 65 million years. Yeah. You know okay. what? I just finished. It's funny because I just finished the book. It's uh, I don't know if you know that Sapiens. It's like um, anyway, it's, a, it's the, like the history of humanity. So, okay. But like in million years, I feel like it, there's nothing that we can <laughs> rely on. So, like 14 and 65 million years is basically the same thing. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I know exactly what you mean. It was in the past. Any time in the past, it was before we had photographic evidence, so it didn't count. Right, uh, question number four, which country, well, it says here invented tea. Can you invent tea? I suppose you can. Which country invented tea? Was it India, England, Italy, or China? Wait, England, India, which one? Uh, India, England, Italy, or China? India. India is wrong. Probably it's China. China. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, know, <laughs> I know a few English people. I was like meditation. Somewhere yeah. in that area. Yeah. Uh, so it's been around for hundreds of years. Not specific, just hundreds of years. Right. So question number five. How many zeros are in a million? Six. I don't know if it's supposed to Correct. Uh, question number six. What's the largest ocean in the world? The Indian, the Pacific, the Arctic, or the Atlantic? Pacific. Pacific. Yes. Um, I've actually got a, on, a, on a side note here, I've got a person at work who's my boss who always says Pacific instead of specific. And oh, yeah. I worked there now for two and a half years. <laughs> And it's still the biggest bugbear of my life is on a daily basis, about five or six times, she says 
uh, you have to be more specific in what you're saying. And it really winds me up. But I can't tell her off because he's my boss. So I've got to sit there and bear it. Uh, that's not related to this. Uh, question number seven. Which chess piece can only move diagonally? Is it the bishop, pawn, knight, or queen? No, I don't know how they're called in English. The the describe it. What's, what's the first the first two one? It's like the <laughs> <laughs> like a little hat, a little hat on top. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean that's a bishop, and that would be correct. <laughs> what do you call it in oh, yeah, French? Pawn is like the. It's like um. It's called fou du roi, like fou. Anyway, it's like oh, a, God. A... The, the, the person who makes the king laugh. Oh, like, oh, like a jester. We'd say jester, I guess. Okay. Like a joker, maybe. Like a joker, mm. okay. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. I don't know where chess is from. I feel like chess is like, a, it seems like a French sort of thing. Don't know who invented that. Um, okay, next up. Uh, what is the capital of New Zealand? Is it Auckland, Christchurch, Wellington, or Hamilton? Auckland. Again with Auckland. Oh, that is wrong. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of people think it is Auckland, but it's in fact Wellington. Hmm. I have no idea. Hmm. There we go. Right, this is a strange question for a school exam, but which of the seven dwarfs was beardless? <laughs> which of the seven dwarfs? What? Was beardless, did not have a beard. Uh, his name is in French is Saint Le, but I don't know. It's like the I don't know. The, the, the stupid one. Or the dozy one, is hmm? it? I've got dopey, yeah. grumpy, sneezy, or bashful. I think dopey is the one you mean. And yeah, that is correct. There's dopey. And then finally, question number 10. Uh, which artist painted the Mona Lisa? Was it Claude Monet, Leonardo da Vinci, Vincent van Gogh, or Edgar Degas? Uh, da Vinci. Da Vinci is correct. So that means you got seven out of ten. Not bad. Pass. Take that. <laughs> uh, so technically, I mean, you'd pass the school exams here in England. So that is a... Uh, that is good. <laughs> and uh, thank you for playing boarding school. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that was the end of that. Right, let's go on with um, the more important questions at hand, if I can find them on the phone. Um, yeah, well, I suppose, yeah. So obviously we know you're a skateboarder, um, very successful skateboarder at that. So I suppose the only place for you to start these questions is to find out how did you first get involved in skateboarding? Um, my little brother got a skateboard for Christmas, just like as a as a toy. I like we had a like I don't know bicycle, scooter, skateboard, and then I when he learned how to like ollie on two sidewalks, I was really intrigued on like how that worked physically. <laughs> so I started trying, and then when I, I I really got into skateboarding when I started high school, and then I made a group of friends who skated, and then I just kept going. Yeah, it's, it's, it's quite, it's obviously quite a cool sport. Um, I can see from uh, the Zoom screen, you've gone with the classic skateboarding looking room. You've got the skateboards on the wall. <laughs> you've got the woody yeah. hat on, ticking all the boxes. Um, and it's, it, I mean, obviously skateboarding's had quite a big resurgence, I think in recent years, um, particularly in this country for sure. 
but it's a sport which I've always kind of struggled with. Um, I never really did it as a kid. The odd time some mate would go join try my skateboard, I was pretty horrific at it. I had very little balance, and it's one of those sports which you need quite a lot of bravery. I spoke to someone say about it as well, and they were saying it's one of those rare sports when it's like you fail till you succeed, which is quite a good way mm-hmm. of putting it. Um, and if you compare you that, fail to way like, more than you succeed. <laughs> Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you just, you just continuously hit the floor until you see these these amazing kids. So outside where I work, I work in a hospital here in London, and there's a skate park literally right across the road. So sometimes at lunchtime, I sit out there and you watch various people have a go on the skate park, and you get these kids who are like you know seven or eight going down the skateboards, and they'll just like face plant the floor like ten <laughs> times in a row and get up crying, go back to the top, do it again until eventually they pull a trick off or whatever. But it's, there's no other sport really like it, I really think. I suppose you can probably compare it to him to like gymnastics, perhaps might have a slightly similar kind of a fail rate. But like most sports, just take football or rugby or ice hockey or something like that, you tend to, you have quite good success from the start, really. You might not be amazing at it, but you don't, don't every time you kick a football, you don't fall on the floor until you get it right kind of thing you kind of you get better at it but you got like a base level whereas skateboarding really is just a sport of continuously trying it's a really good like analogy for life really just keep trying till you succeed i suppose mm-hmm. yeah well also because in skateboarding like you said if you fall like you're gonna fall a thousand times before you or not necessarily fall but like try something a thousand times or more before you you land it but when you land it you consider it a success and not like 999 fail failures you know what I mean so it's like I think it's a really good tool that you can use to or I mean apply to other aspects of your life yeah yeah that's true so so once you you got on the board and you tried it for the first time was it like instantly like oh i really want to like get amazing at this i want to be a professional or whatever was it just i quite enjoy this it's a good pastime yeah no it was just a pastime when i started for like a couple years and um after i want to say like three four years i realized i was relatively good at it and I I really liked it I was doing that every day after school like that's basically all I did I didn't really do other sports growing up because uh, I started skating when I was 11 mm. so um um well I mean I did other sports but not not like I didn't really do like um like team sports and stuff like that I was I liked doing doing it by myself because a skateboard you can just take it and go like in front of your house or in your backyard and do it by yourself so that's something that I really liked about it and um, it wasn't until I was maybe like 16 I was like yeah I want to become a professional skateboarder but at the time there were no opportunities for women especially um for example I did the my first like big competitions when I was 15 16 and it's like not world cups well they were world cups but not like world championships but like Yeah. all the professionals from all over the world came and stuff and for men if you won you won i don't know like 15 like fifteen thousand dollars but for girls it was like nine hundred dollars or something oh, yeah. so i was like i mean i didn't know what i wanted to do with, with my life but i knew i wanted to do more than like 
make more than $900 a year. <clears throat> so I just decided to do it for fun. And I, I kind of lost that dream of becoming a professional skateboarder. And it came back like when the Olympics happened, basically, like five years, four years ago. Yeah, yeah. And we're definitely going to get into more detail, I think, about perhaps our disparity in wages. I think it's quite interesting. And of course, the Olympic cycle is interesting as well. But before we get to that, just dial it back to being a kid and the real emergence of your talents. Did you find you were like, did, did you process the information better? Is that what separated you from the other kids? Or did you just have that like, that fearlessness or was it just the the fact you refused to give up what was kind of the thing that separated you from your your peers well I think it was just um the fact that I loved it like it, it was just I liked the practice of skateboarding but also everything that came with it like that's why like a lot of people say, well, it's like that for a lot of sports, but it's like more than just the practice. It's also a lifestyle and, and um, it's a whole community, you know? So it's like, if I meet other people at skate parks, I know I'm going to get along with them. And I just like the, um, the environment of skateboarding in general. So I just, I think I ended up spending a lot of time on my skateboard because that's what I like doing. And I, I was good at basically every sport that I tried. Like if I tried hockey or soccer or whatever, like any sport, like I, I could, like I had a, a fist, I don't know. <laughs> like it was easier for me than most people. I feel like, like, you know, like a lot of, some people are just good at sports. Yeah. And skateboarding was the most challenging one. So I think that's why I picked on that one. <laughs> Mm. yeah well, that's 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 actually an interesting way to look at it it's probably different to many people but it might be something which a lot of successful people share actually taking on that bigger challenge rather than settling for what's perceivably easier um so so, so I'm, I'm going to completely level with you so i've got very little knowledge about skateboarding um and i said my my experience of doing it is very minimal um my experience of watching it is probably equally minimal uh but I have, um, I've seen quite a lot of people skating. So that we've got some really nice skate parks actually in London now, a couple up in central London where, you know, if you're out in the evening for a walk, you can sit there and watch people skateboarding. So I've seen people doing the sport, but with the Olympics coming up and obviously the, the debut Olympics for skateboarding, it tell us a little bit about kind of how it works as a sport. So how do you get graded? How do you ultimately win? How is it, is it about, is it about difficulty? Is it about execution? Kind of how does that whole process work when it comes to like Olympic Games? Yeah, it's um, that's one of the things that was really hard at first, I think, is like establishing those criteria for judging because skateboarding is basically like it's endless. Like you can do so many combinations of tricks. Um, like your board can flip in so many directions, you can spin in so many directions and then land on a different obstacle and like there's so many combinations that it was really hard I think at first to even think about having a fair judging process for skateboarding because it's like judging art you know Um, and also you don't have to tell the judges like okay this is what I'm going to do like I know in um, in like gymnastics or uh, diving and stuff like that like they 
tell the judges what they're going to do before like it's not like just you, you don't just freestyle what you're going to do but like in skateboarding it's kind of like that so that was hard but I know um obviously like they judge the difficulty of what you're doing and then there's the style and like execution of those tricks um that counts a lot and then uh like I literally, literally had to bring up the judging criteria because I don't even know them <laughs> <laughs> and then there's a uh, consistency because there's um in there's two disciplines in skateboarding there's street and park that's going to be in the olympics so I'm doing street which is more like stairs and handrails and stuff like that and then park is more like transitions like a bowl um so like a not like a like a closed half pipe if you want um yeah. so the judging for both is is different but it's still like very hard to even consider like putting people like ranking people <laughs> skating <laughs> still kind of weird but but now it's i think they got really good at um judging and you can now predict like a, a score for different runs and stuff so it's pretty interesting yeah and it, i said it, it it's new on a on olympic stage mm-hmm. it's completely new um which which i must say which which is quite exciting really um i think a lot of people in england for sure and i'm sure similarly in uh in canada and other parts of the world just love the olympics and they'll watch any sport on the in the olympics whether that be beach volleyball or dressage of the horses or archery i'll watch anything at the olympics and um i'm sure that would include skateboarding so do you really do you think this could be a real catalyst for the sport growing very quickly in in the world and particularly in countries perhaps i think it's already got a reasonably big audience perhaps in america but in places like britain where we hasn't hasn't got particularly big audience do you think that could really take off overnight mm-hmm. yeah i think that's like at first i wasn't sure if the inclusion of skateboarding in the olympics would be positive for skateboarding like it's going to be positive for the olympics because it's bringing a younger crowd to watch the olympics but like for skateboarding at first i was like oh like is it gonna lose its like essence and soul you know <laughs> but um i realized that like within the first year that we had contests and stuff i realized that cities are now building like awesome skate parks so that's very positive because i grew up skating like <laughs> skate parks <laughs> like on like rugged asphalt and stuff and now they have these really cool big concrete skate parks <clears throat> that's very positive then like you said there's the fact that a lot more countries are getting interested in skateboarding <clears throat> so we're seeing an explosion of participants in countries that didn't necessarily have like a big skateboard scene before like I don't know like like even like Brazil now is like basically the country where they're breeding the most skaters <laughs> it's, it's actually crazy <laughs> and it's really cool and then there's um the fact that a gold medal is the same for men and women so it's growing the women's side of skateboarding very fast and i think that for me that's the most positive thing that could happen with the olympics yeah i mean the the olympics always has been quite good um what's the what's the term it improves equality generally in sports that participate um mm-hmm. and you look at uh, tennis is a great example a sport which has quite a lot of inequality when it comes to 
um, disparity in wages between men and women, etc. in normal tournaments. But when it comes to Olympics, there isn't sort of prize money as such. There's obviously you're playing for Olympic medals. You've got similar crowds, similar prizes, similar sponsors. Um, and that's quite consistent across those different sports. So sports which haven't got sort of equality normally are sort of somewhat forced to have it in the Olympics, which can only really be a positive long-term. Well, I suppose one other thing that's quite interesting just coming to mind straight straight now is, is there a link between skateboarding and, and snowboarding? Because obviously in Canada, um, big success in Winter Olympics traditionally and snowboarding has been in the Olympics for a number of cycles now. So I can see that being a real um, draw if you're quite a good skateboarder um, in, a, in a country where winter sports are really popular anyway. Are your, is there a transition for you to go into snowboarding or are those very different skill sets? They're different skill sets, but they, they like subcultures are very similar. But so like a lot of people do both, like they're like snowboarders in Whistler, for example, which is on the other side of Canada, where the big mountains are. Um, these guys skate for fun and they are professional snowboarders, for example. And a lot of skaters snowboard because it's, in my mind, it's like easier, like the basic of snowboarding is easier than the basic of skateboarding. Let's just yeah. put it that way. Cause then, cause then when you start doing 900s and stuff, that's, that's a whole different story. And the rails are way bigger in snowboarding. So it's not, I'm not saying it's easier at all, but it's um, like, it's, I think it can translate a little bit, but it's definitely not something that like, if you're a professional skateboarder, you're not necessarily a professional snowboarder. And, um, but it's fun to do both. I think most people would, but it's like, for example, if you are a professional, I don't know what sports look like, like, rug, I don't know, rugby and football would be a good example, but like, it's not necessarily the same thing. No, I think it's, I don't know, but I, I would say it's maybe more similar than skateboarding and snowboarding, but. Yeah, but, no, um, I, I see, I see, I see your point. Um, I suppose probably actually a better parallel might be diving and gymnastics, perhaps, and all that. Yeah. So mm-hmm. um, you have, you for me, if you're taking, if you take, if you have a gymnast and a and a regular person, and you try and teach them both to dive, you'd imagine the gymnast would already have certain skills nailed down. They can already do the flips. They can already do the tucks and the positioning. It's just rather than landing on floor the landing upside down in water so there's obviously there's differences to learn but there's certainly points which you can see would be transferable skills that's for sure um but i just saw something that sprung to mind actually that wasn't for example famous. for example if you take a gymnast and put it on a, put him on a, or her on a snowboard then they can they just have to learn how to ride the snowboard and they can do all the like how many spin or flips they're doing but you take a gymnast, you can't put him on a skateboard and expect him or her to perform. Like, it's not oh, yeah. the same thing at all. You know what I mean? Like, it's because one thing that I don't like about snowboarding is with skateboarding, you can like jump down stairs or on a rail or whatever and jump off. Snowboarding, yeah. you really just whoop, and you're stuck <laughs> on your board. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and yeah. And so, sometimes actually, it's, it's almost harder to transition between two similar sports because you have certain movements kind of locked in. It's hard to change them. Like I remember a lot of people say it's really hard mm-hmm. to go between 
like baseball and cricket for example in this country because <laughs> yeah like you think they're you think they're kind of yeah kind of similar um or actually yeah or golf yeah golf's a great one golf versus uh hockey or uh, cricket or something like that you think it's similar it's a hand-eye coordination but it's so different like the way you hold things and you it's, it's actually very hard to transition even though they're similar sports it's actually really hard to go so it's actually easier to go from complete different sport to complete different sport because you learn these whole processes again whereas if you already have your mind locked into swinging a bat a certain way you're holding something a certain way to then try and learn to hold it similarly but different is really hard to get out of that mm-hmm. that brain process but but right so um so obviously this has been a strange year uh the olympics was i suppose to have already happened by now i should be introducing you as as hopefully as an olympian already but that hasn't been the case uh hopefully the olympics is going ahead this year um with all all information so far is quite positive that's gonna be the case but what was it like to have that olympics delayed by the whole year unprecedented really in modern times um well it was hard because i had a really good timing last year you know like i was in a really good shape i just and last march i won the 2020 national championship for canada so i was like really hyped and i was ready for all the competition that we had coming and then everything got cancelled so like it was hard but at the same time it's hard to tell because it's my first olympics it's my first olympic experience like i don't really have anything else like some people have gone through for example like three olympics um so they have a point of reference which I don't <laughs> so yeah. it's kind of hard but um I want to say also the fact that I'm now 30 like that's something that was hard for me to accept that it was postponed a year because it's already like harder for I don't know there's just a lot of young kids and people who are really good right now and they're thriving like right now um so that's something that scared me at first. I was like, am I still going to be good enough in a year? But I think I managed to like keep up with everybody else and I didn't get hurt. <laughs> Not mm-hmm. good. So, uh, so no, I'm, I'm happy. I think I was just like, it was like anxiety a little bit of like being too old and getting hurt again because I got hurt in 2019. <clears throat> so, um, but no, everything's good. So I think it's going to be fine for 2021. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I said that it's, you, you never know until after the Olympics, perhaps the effect mm-hmm. it's had. And I was actually chatting to someone the other day, actually. If only we could have like a hundred parallel universes where we could try out different scenarios and find out what <laughs> actually would have happened. That you don't know. Maybe an extra year's experience is a good thing. Maybe an extra year of sort of mental and psychological preparation is a good thing. Maybe that added desire is a good thing you know maybe all these potential you know extra year recovery there's loads of real sort of positives there's also loads of negatives and unfortunately we never know but hopefully it's all going to go ahead this year regardless but it was announced quite recently that there'll be no international fans which is very strange i would say if there was one country in the world who i think could hold uh, an olympics with no um international fans but still be very accommodating to all that all athletes it probably would be someone like japan um who seems to be very good at putting on a show in general but what are your views on 
going to Olympics, your first Olympics, without potentially having your family or friends there? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> uh, one of the things that I found really hard throughout the year is like the fact that because I always try to appreciate the process and not focus too much on like the outcome so like going to Tokyo or not like I still want to be able to appreciate the whole Olympic journey and then when the Olympics were postponed and then I realized that it would be really different with the new like no spectators and stuff so um, I kind of honestly lost motivation for a good month like I was like uh, I remember beginning of January I told my parents I was like I don't even know if I want to do this anymore like why am I putting my life on hold for years and then at the end like there's there's going to be no ceremony like you guys can't come I can't go see other uh, other sports I'm going to be stuck in a bubble for like four days and then compete and go home and then like is this like why, <laughs> you know, yeah. like it's not going to be fun. And then, so I got really unmotivated for a little bit. And then um, I was able to remind myself that I'm not doing it for like, just for this, I'm doing it for myself and for like the whole, like the whole experience. And, um, but it, it to answer your question, it really was something that not necessarily just the spectator part, but the fact that the Olympics, like the, the holy thing at the end of this whole journey was kind of like not going to be as expected. But um, but um, now I don't really care <laughs> how to yeah. say it. But like, I just want to do it. And I just want to, like, I got that motivation back and I realized that I'm doing it for myself and, and it's going to be fun no matter how it is. Like, it's still going to be a really cool experience. Yeah, I think I think one great thing for you is it's your first Olympics and it's the first Olympics for the sport as well. So there's nothing to compare it to. So, you know, even if it's, you know, dreadful compared to Rio or London, whatever, it's still going to be, you know, probably one of the best skateboarding events there's been. And it's probably still going to have those great memories and it's still going to be an Olympics. You're still going to be an Olympian. It's still going to be history. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And if you'd, if you'd been there three Olympics before and then you're going, actually, this is not the same. This is a real shame. But for you, it's kind of like, yeah, get that Olympics in there. Maybe, maybe it's not as good as normal, but it's still going to be, be amazing. Is, I mean, is Paris still on your, your plans or do you see this as being a, a one-off for you? No, I think it's going to be a one-off. Like, yeah because it's something that really just happened randomly we didn't really talk about it but um so when I quit the I didn't really start but when I quit the competition side when I was like 16 um I stayed in school I did a bunch of things and then I was doing my I was writing my master's thesis um in 2016 when it was announced that skateboarding would be in the Olympics and I was like oh that's weird (laughs) okay and then I finished my my thesis and a year after like I didn't get a job right away I was like I'll wait and see how that goes because maybe I could try to compete and we had our first national championship and I won and I was invited to the first world championship and I got 18th um so it happened really fast and 18th um I was like because it's the top 20 of the world who's going to go to the Olympics so I was like oh like 18th just like that like <laughs> huh so 
was like, okay, I'll, I'll try. So that's how it happened. And now I've been doing it for like a little bit over three years. Um, but yeah, so it really was just a, an opportunity that presented itself and I kind of took it and that, like here I am. So um, I don't know where I was going with that, but I, <laughs> but it's, uh, it's been, it's been like a very, I don't know, it's not like in other sports, I feel like people, not I feel like people work for like, since they started their sport almost, and their goal is to go to the Olympics for skateboarding. It wasn't like that. It's going to be like that now that it's a thing, but like for a long time, like I never skated to be in the Olympics. So, um, so that's why I was like, like if I was 16, I would say, yeah, I would like try to go for as many Olympics as I can. But I feel like now that I'm 30 and I was not prepared for this, like all the kids now are training and the second best girl skater right now in the world is 11 years old. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's going to like, like all that generation is going to wipe all of us out, which is great. I love it. And I think it's cool, but like, yeah. So Paris is going to be very different from Tokyo for, especially for, well, for men and women, but like, cause it's the same thing for men. Like right now, the guys who are the best, are people who did not know they would be in the Olympics. They're like skaters who have been doing it for fun for 20 years. But like the next generation who like, there's videos of like seven year old kids in Japan or the Brazil and like, they're so good already. <laughs> so it's going to be very different. It's going to change the competitive side of skateboarding. And yeah, it's going to be interesting. <laughs> Yeah, but, I'm gonna be too old in four years. Yeah, well, it, <laughs> as we established, what the dinosaurs were killed off what 65 million years ago, what by an asteroid, yeah. or whatever. What what killed off the skateboarders, and turns out it was 11 year olds with the uh, with the tricks. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> exactly. But it's cool because it shows there's interest and like yeah, interest from the younger generation to push it way further than my generation did. Yeah. It's going to be really funny as well, actually, because skateboarding still, um, well, from what I understand, it's still quite old school and how it, how it operates. Like you just, you just do the skateboarding a lot and mm -hmm. it's, and the thing is once you get Olympic funding and Olympic, um, sponsorship and Olympic interest sports always go down a very scientific approach, which is quite strange. So you mm -hmm. look at any other sport much in the world now it's like I don't, I don't know if you're doing this um now anyway but it doesn't sound like you do too much of this you know like it's, it's all about blood tests it's about um heart rate monitors it's about you know sports scientists so look at these olympic teams and the most important person in the team now is like the sports scientist who measures oxygen saturations and how much sleep you need how much food you need to eat nutritionists uh video analysis all these sort of areas of sport now are massive so as soon as there's that olympic drive you can see now like skateboarding all being all about like getting physicists involved and working on angles and it's going to go completely different probably to how you perceive the sport to be yeah i had i have that a little bit like of course like things change with the olympics i started working out outside of skateboarding i have a mental coach i have a coach I have like a lot I saw nutritionists and stuff like that it's not as like intense as other sports but it's gonna it's gonna become like that and I think it's like I think it's a good thing 
I mean, like, for example, we talked about gymnastics. Gymnastics had that, but like 50 years ago, when like, I don't know her name, but there was like in, in the Montreal Olympics, there was like a young girl, I don't know who like was 12 and won all like the events and stuff. So it happens in sports when, when there's that kind of change and skateboarding is going through that right now. So we'll see how Yeah, no, you're right. It's all sports. Remember, I think it was, it 20, I think it was 2012 with the swimming when you had, um, there was that girl, I forget her name now. She was like 14 from Lithuania. I mean, she won a gold in the swimming and there was... Um, I mean, there's that Chinese guy who was sort of 13, 14, and there was a couple of young Americans. So, so yeah, like you do get a lot of sports, just get this young generation coming through. And with that Olympic push, and like you said, with this extended team that's involved, it suddenly mm-hmm. becomes a whole different equation, really, which is, um, which is really interesting, actually, and something which, uh, we might explore a little bit more later on because I want to get into now, actually, is really the crux of this podcast which i nearly always forget to get into till later on which is a real shame because it is the unique selling point into this podcast which is injuries and management of our bodies and health etc so quite a broad question to start with really we've already mentioned that skateboarding is fail fail until you succeed mentality it's lots of crashes it's lots of falling off um so what kind of injuries do you pick up or have you picked up and I suppose, how do you keep your body in one piece? <laughs> uh, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Um, well, a lot of, um, I mean, one thing I started working out outside of skateboarding to be able to be better on my board. So that's something that sounds very basic for the, the sports world, but it's not common in skateboarding. Just like working out outside of skateboarding, stretching, um nutrition and all that um and like for example for me I'm lucky I like never broke anything knock on wood um and I'm I've been pretty good with injuries like for me it's and skateboarders in general I think it's mostly ankles like we I roll my ankles all the time but um I so I work on strengthening them and um to be able to like obviously we fall a lot but the goal is not to fall a lot like we try to land on our boards as much as possible so just um, a lot of balance balance exercise proprioception and like control exercises and stuff like that so yeah I think it's a mix of everything that and also doing physio but like not just when you get hurt but also like preventive that also helps have you had any particularly big injuries that have had layoffs or perhaps prolonged um injury statuses yeah um so I, my worst injury was like happened twice um so for skateboarders your front ankle is the one you use to flip your board and stuff so it's very important and um in april 2019 right after the world champ like the first world championship that we had i am um, tore two ligaments in my front ankle so I was out for like five months um so that was really hard and five months is with physio like every day and like a lot of people helping me to get better fast because before that I had the same injury that lasted 11 months like four or five years before before um but the stakes were not as high when I was not competing (laughs) 
<laughs> so um, for that one, um, so the last time I went to London, I had crutches. So it was great. <laughs> okay. Um, no, it was not great, but um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I I went there yeah, like two ligament tears in my ankle is pretty much the worst that I've had so far and forever because I'm not going to get hurt ever again. <laughs> yeah, I mean that, that that's very good going. Like I said, it's in that it's a sport where you're continuously, from what I've observed, people are continuously on the floor. Um, and but that's another thing too. Like I don't. I, I I'm hurt all the time <laughs> you know like I'm con consistently doing like at like bruises and stuff like that or like being sore because every time you learn like we jump downstairs a lot and like I don't know like you fall on a rail and like your whole I don't know your I don't know your hips hurt for like a couple weeks and like but it's never big injuries for me so I've been very lucky with that but skateboarding is like a sport where you're in a constant state of like pain <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, so if you don't take like when you're 16 when I was 16 I would just go skate the next day when it was fine but now that I'm 30 and that it's my job I really make sure I take care of every single small injury that I have yeah I mean I suppose I could draw parallels really with I played a lot of rugby growing up so I played rugby and hockey are probably my two main sort of sunny team sports, the double sports as well, but those sort of my main team sports. And rugby, I was always getting what we probably call like knocks or sort of little niggles, which is kind of what you're alluding to. Um, you know, you'd have, yeah, you'd have like lots of bruises. You'd have maybe some sore ribs, perhaps a bit of shoulder pain, but it was nothing that required like medical attention. There was no A&E visits. Whereas I looked back at hockey and I go in hockey, I had like a broken wrist. I had, um, well, I had a query fractured cheekbone. I had various head injuries. I had uh, broken thumbs, broken toes. So I had lots more sort of documented injuries. Um, but I said, yeah, in rugby, it was continuous pain. <laughs> it was like every week you'd have... <laughs> And in a bruised here or swollen this or um you know it hurts to do this movement or you know you, you this feels heavy or swollen etc so it was that continuous small injuries but when i actually look back on it i didn't really have i had actually i only had one major injury in rugby which was my back which i i pulled some muscles in my back um unfortunately on my debut for the university but i apart from that i didn't have any sort of real medical attention in rugby but hockey had loads of medical attention but less day-to-day -day injuries so it's, it's quite i know exactly mm. what you mean in terms of that so in terms of your mentality are you the kind of person like me who if i feel i can do it i will just carry on even though i know full well it's the wrong thing to do i should rest i should ice but if i can physically get on the bike i will go for a ride if or if i can physically run i will go for a run even though i know it's not the right thing to do i know it's the worst thing for me but i'll still do it is that you or are you a sensible doctor's orders feet up watch the tv which one are you i'm a mix of both like it depends how motivated i am to do the thing <laughs> like for example if it's like i don't know if i have to go get a photo for a magazine and i'm like i don't like i'm super tired or whatever like i'll still do everything I can and 
make it happen. But I think also I got better at controlling like my urge of pushing myself all the time. <laughs> so like, for example, if I, especially like if with um, off board workouts, like for example, running and stuff, like I'll go running if I feel like it, but if I'm like tired or if my hip hurts or my knee hurts, like I'll save my energy for skating as much as possible. So I got better at like, I don't know, I guess analyzing and taking <laughs> calculated risks. <laughs> that yeah. Makes sense. yeah, no, it does. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you what I am as well. I'm a, I'm like, uh, what's, what's Joe, when you, what's the, what's the term for it? Like you, you won't admit you're in pain because you don't want to be proven. Right. So, uh, my, my girlfriend <laughs> or my parents or will say, Oh, I saw you limping a bit earlier. Is your hip okay? And I'll go, yeah, my hip's fine. Hip's fine. I'm going to go for like a 10K run. And they know full well your hip's not fine. You know full well your <laughs> hip's not fine. You know you shouldn't do it, but you do it. <laughs> and then uh, yeah. you come home and you're in absolute agony. But you got to go, you go, how's the hip? You go, oh, yeah, it was great. Hip feels great. I feel never felt mm-hmm. better. I feel like, like I'm 17 <laughs> again. And you, and you have to limp up the stairs and lie there in pain. You can't admit that, you, that you're that you in agony all the time. Yeah, that is definitely, definitely me. Um, but also, because I feel like if I say how I really feel all the time, I would be complaining all the time. You know, like I, there's always something that hurts <laughs> or most of the time. Like, so if I'm like, if someone's like, oh, are you okay? Like, I'm, I'm going to say yes, because I'm not going to say like, oh, well, actually, like, my the side of my knee hurts a little bit and it goes all the way here and like you know like i'll just work on it and i don't have to talk about it because <laughs> it's <laughs> too much that is one of my biggest bugbears actually in sport um in professional sport and like the media and stuff i don't know if it's the same in canada i'm sure it's probably pretty similar but obviously in this country football's our biggest sport and we football's like a religion is probably similar to what i imagine maybe ice hockey like over in canada but it's like mm-hmm. you turn on the TV and the news, there'll be something about football. There'll be football on the other channel. There'll be news articles about football. Everything's football, football, football. And we're obsessed with telling people like injury statuses for players. So every player, they come on the TV and they'll be like, oh, um, I don't know, Kevin De Bruyne, for example, is a famous footballer in this country. Um, oh, he's got a, like a slight calf strain or... Uh, he's got a little bit of like soft tissue injury or he's got a bit of bit of bruising and i'm always sat there going yeah don't we all like <laughs> anyone who does sport yeah. to any sort of level has continuously has some sort of every part of my body strained what are you talking about you just get on with it but because it's like professional sport Not you. <laughs> yeah, because it's like professional football it's um it's newsworthy and it's like it's like you keep going, oh, these footballers always get injured. You go, no, but it's like normal people. But normal people don't get, you know, x-rays and scans every day and MRIs every day. Of course, they've got a bit of swelling on their joints. We all do. My joints are like balloons, but you just got normal people have to go on with it. But in like professional football in this country and the money and stuff, it's it's just continuous news for injury statuses. I just want to say, get on with it. That is definitely a bugbear of mine um, when it comes to... But that's enough of my uh, my rants. Let's get on with uh, the rest of these these questions. So, um, I think that really kind of rounds up the skateboarding side of things, and so the injury side of things, and and 
and all that. So one thing you said you mentioned doing strength training and stuff like that. Do you do any other any other kind of sports outside of skateboarding to keep do you, do you, do you swim or or run or anything like that? Um, yeah, I run. I, I try to run like three times a week, but not big, like just for like 20, 30 minutes, just to get the blood going. And same with like, I have a, a stationary bicycle at my house. So like, I'll do that. And I love going biking with like, but like really like with my parents and stuff like that, like, you know, just going on, I don't know, like 40 kilometers, like not more than that, you know, like some people they do big distance and I like doing other sports but I don't want to, or like I play tennis with my mom and like you know I or I, I go climbing with my best friend like that's the kind of things that I do but um nothing that I really practice outside of skateboarding because I don't I feel like right now I really it would probably be good but I don't feel like I have enough time like I want to spend as much time as I can on my board and save my energy for skateboarding so uh, I'll really use other sports for like like as activities for like pastime you know because <laughs> I love just moving in general like I'll play baseball with my friends sometimes like do stuff like that but um I don't I wouldn't say I practice another sport no well yeah I mean that, there are real benefits to to the idea of sort of like calisthenic and, awareness so oh knowing how your body works um having that like like yeah like you said say say playing tennis kind of reacting to stimuli seeing the ball coming towards you moving yeah, towards it hitting exactly. back, and there will be benefits to using that in skateboarding if you can um sure. understand information better maybe that'd be the rail coming towards you or um a particular jump or trick coming towards you if you can see it coming in the same way you might see a tennis ball mm -hmm. coming towards you or a softball or whatever coming towards you so there are there are benefits to using other sports which which is which is great um so just just mm -hmm. I suppose, sort of that's what i mean like no i was no, just gonna say like okay, I, no. I i'll do a lot of sports but not there's not like i can't say like oh yeah i skateboard and i do this mm -hmm. you know no, like I, i'll I understand. go snowboarding i go what's it called like the skis like but like elliptical training is it no like it's like um stuff? like in the snow it's like ski oh, but like cross-country skiing is that it? yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i did that all, all um all winter with my parents oh, okay i did a lot of things with my parents because quarantine like i yeah. tried not to see a lot of people so i i wanted to see my parents so i didn't see a lot of people other people <laughs> no yeah that's uh that's actually another really good positive for the lockdown for me the whole family family side of things um, okay, so describe a week, I suppose, like a week in your life in terms of training. How many hours you spend on this? How many hours you spend on that? How many times a week? Like a real breakdown in what a week looks like for you. Mm -hmm. um, well, it's, it's been, the, I'll, I'll do the COVID um, schedule because it's been different <laughs> and like during the winter. But from Monday, through Friday during COVID and I had access to uh, an indoor skate park in Montreal so I would go skate like in the morning okay I'll go so Monday to Friday is basically the same day <laughs> so um the whole um um like before noon I usually do like computer stuff make food for the day or whatever um 
11 to 12, I work out and then I go skate. 12 to whenever I feel like it. <laughs> I don't have a specific, like some days if I'm too tired, I'll skate for two hours and I feel like I have enough because I'm skating by myself. So it's a lot more challenging than if you're like at a skate park, I could spend seven hours at a skate park, but I'm like chilling and like talking with people and skating a little bit and then talking. But when you're by yourself at the skate park, two hours of just like nonstop is a lot. So I can, I'll skate between two hours and four or five hours and then just go home, stretch, and then do whatever I want with my night. But so that's like my structure Monday to Friday. Uh, but when it's not winter, so now, for example, it's like starting to be nice outside. So every day that it's nice, I'll go skate outside. So even if it's the weekend, so sometimes I'll skate seven days a week. <laughs> mm -hmm. And um, I try to mix my time between um, like skateboarding and training and then skateboarding for fun. And then the all the other marketing stuff, because there's like a lot of interviews or like taking photos for magazines or filming clips for Instagram and stuff like that. So I try to manage all of that with my week on my board. And then, yeah, but I'll have them because I don't have a specific, I don't know, okay. I don't have a specific schedule, so I don't have to report to anybody and I don't have to report to anybody. So I don't have a specific schedule. <laughs> so it's kind of, it goes both ways, but um but yeah, I try to also listen to how I feel. Like some days I have a lot of energy, so I'll just do a bunch of things. Like today I worked out this morning and then I still had energy. So I did another workout right after. <laughs> so like, but it, it wasn't planned, but I don't know. I try to listen to my body a lot. Well, I mean, yeah, that, that's very important. Do you, do you, mm -hmm. you don't work with a coach then on a, on a day to day basis? No, I have a, so I have a, someone that I do Zoom workouts with. Uh, oh, yeah. two to three times a, a week and then I usually I do it by myself um and then for skateboarding we only have we don't really have coaches yet so what happens is we have a high performance director she's like there's only two people who work for Canada skateboard <laughs> so there's a high performance director and the person who organizes the events and stuff like that and the marketing side so I have called let's say like once a week with the high performance director to tell him about my progress and stuff like that. But I spent most of my winter skating alone, putting my phone on a tripod and just to film myself to like have to look at myself and, or like if I have new tricks I'm working on, like I want to get one on video to show Adam, the coach, the head coach, <laughs> I don't know, high performance director. <laughs> um, so that's how we've been doing it like but I think the reason why we're doing it like that is because I've never had a coach and I I don't know for skateboarding for skaters who like I've been skating for 20 years and I have never had to report to anyone so it would be weird to now have like a structured schedule of like skateboarding for five hours the first hour we're working on crooked grinds and you'll do a hundred of those and like it wouldn't really make sense for me and I think I would lose my motivation so I'd rather do it like unstructured yeah I'd rather like just do it by myself and work on the things that I want to work on but I think there's a lot of positives that could come out of having a structured um, coaching pro program for skateboarding and I think that's what's going to happen with like 
the next Olympics or already. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably. It's, it's, it's the way these like, things, for example, things go. Yeah, and for example, like in like now we have our dates for the qualifiers for the Olympics. So one month before we have a training camp, it's going to be our first training camp, like our first official Canada skateboard training camp. So that's going to be cool. I'm excited. Yeah, yeah, no, I think that will, uh, I'm sure that'll be great. Um, I suppose for me, I mean, how, how do you go about learning a new trick if you haven't got like a coach to teach you? Is it just feel how it goes? Do you use a lot of online resources or is skateboarding purely you sort of, you see it somewhere and then you try it yourself and then you just try and mm-hmm. find a way to do it? I don't really know how, because for my, for my sporting background, everything you learn, you learn from a coach in rugby or hockey or swimming I've always had coaches to teach you stuff so that's one of the reasons why my generation like it would take so long to become good at skating because I mean I it took me two years to learn to ollie which is the basic basic trick of skateboarding just because I had nobody around me who could do it so I was like "Mm, trying by myself but not like I don't know it's just like trial and error basically and and that's what skateboarding is, like war was. And now it's going to be different because we're starting to have coaches and people who are going to be trained. Like even skate lessons is very new because my generation always said that skateboarding can't be taught. That it's like it's like art. Like you know, you can take a you can take a class on how to draw a face, but then like that doesn't mean you're an artist. Yeah, that's a great analogy, actually. So for skateboarding, it's like it's for to learn a trick, for example. Well, I know, I know, like I can't do them, but I know all the tricks that are possible, or almost all the tricks that are possible. And what's cool with skateboarding is that you can, like, if there's one that you really like, you can practice only this one. Like you build your own bag of tricks, then nobody does all the tricks. You just like learn the ones that you like or that are more natural for you. So, um, yeah. So, for example, if I'm working on a trick, I'll just like, it's so much practice actually. Like, I don't even know how to decom like, this decom structure in my head. Like, it, yeah, deconstruct it in my head. Like, it's just like, it's just gonna be a lot of practice and like, I'll, I like, the, the way I do it I like to film myself and then I watch the video because I've seen thousands of people do all the tricks so if I film myself and I'm like okay I'm not like ollieing high enough so that my back foot goes all the way over the rail or whatever like or my shoulders are not turned enough and um, yeah so it takes a while but um, and then it's so hard to be able to do a certain trick every try either like it's like a never-ending process skateboarding it's like it's never ending because even if you can do a trick the next day you're going to come to the skate park and you can't do it anymore and you have to start again (laughs) it's never lost because the muscle memory and like it's still it's still good to work on on everything but it's like let's say like someone learns their kick trip which is like a relatively basic trick well if you land it today you still have to do like a hundred tomorrow and a hundred the next day because you're gonna lose them if you don't. <laughs> not like bicycles. <laughs> it's it's not at all. Um, 
and don't get me started on basketball um on bicycles because i i struggle to remember anything on those things um okay so this this sort of park the skateboarding itself to one side there and there's a few things i wanted you to finish actually um so first of all um you've you've had quite an interesting life i think off the board as well like you're not purely an athlete who's entirely driven on just competing so i can see here that you were involved in uh, skirt borders back in the day um and also something called all girls uh skate date is that how you say yeah. that uh yeah. Although it's written all and then G U R L Z S K eight nine B, which I've really been inspired. Is it? <laughs> it, look, it looks to me like a license plate, to be honest. Um, but I don't, don't that's the case. But but yeah, so uh, you evolved in both of those um, organizations, which is great. Of course, you've also got your degree in business strategy as well. Um, so you're not someone who's one-dimensional in any case so so what kind of role do you think you have in promoting this sport and I suppose promoting women's sport in general and I suppose a minority sport in Canada mm -hmm. um well I think as an athlete like as a professional athlete when you're growing in a sport I think it's cool to give back and like scared borders is a group that was founded before I like before I started skating and I met them in 2006 and they really hooked me to skateboarding and they like brought me to different countries and like to do demonstrations. And basically it was a group of girls from Montreal whose goal was to promote women in skateboarding. So, and I was the youngest of that, that, that group. And then I realized how big of a deal that was in my, I don't know, in my, career I wasn't really a career but like just in my life in general so for me uh, now that I quote unquote like made it in skateboarding like it's really important for me to give back and to give that same kind of opportunity to other women in skateboarding so um, yeah and I just think being a, a good role model for your sport is, is is important especially when you're trying like for me, I'm trying to have more and more girls on skateboards. So I want to be like a good role model for that. And I want to be able to, or at least try to inspire people to, to even just try skateboarding and see if they like it. So that's how I see it. Yeah. Which is, which is obviously, it's great. And it's great for all sports that they're growing mm -hmm. and they're becoming more diverse for sure. What, what is the current, would you say, ratio of boys to girls in in skateboarding when i started it took me two years to meet another girl in real life oh, right. so okay. like 0, 0.0 i don't know percent <laughs> and now it's really cool because when you go to a skate park there's always at least one girl and for example yesterday i went skating with friends and there's like i don't know like 40 guys and like eight girls so it's okay. still like it's still it's not 50 50 obviously but it's still like eight girls is pretty cool because then you can really have like a a gang and they can like i don't know make friends and it's cool and um when i do girls skate events so with all girls skate dates sometimes we had 250 girls who came just to try and learn skateboarding so it was cool because it was like i remember one time there's this big skate park in um 
in Montreal called Taz and there was 250 girls and the almost like 250 guys in the skate park because it's like a normal day and my one of my guy friends came to me and he was like it's crazy to think that that should be like the norm like you know like um, like 50-50 girls and boys like girls and boys and it's it I don't know it, I just thought it was so cool to see it that way so um but right now the girls women's side of skateboarding is growing growing three times faster than men that's the only stat okay. that I have it's like there's three times more girls who start skateboarding than guys right now so I mean if we keep going like that it's gonna be more than like I don't know it's gonna be cool like I, I want to say like now it's like 15 20% And so hopefully we'll be able to build that yeah. up all the way to 50-50. Yeah, yeah, that'd, 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 be, that'd be great. Um, I'm all in favor of as much diversity as possible in terms of gender and race and disabilities, ages, any way you can make a sport more diverse. I think the sport can only be better for that for that fact. I think I've, seen, I've heard this sport, I've heard this quote used several times for different sports. So I'm not sure how accurate it is, but... I think the biggest growing sport in the world is women's rugby. I think I heard that somewhere. And it's quite interesting because I think women's rugby is growing quite quickly. Uh, women's football is growing quite quickly. Um, and uh, I think women's basketball is another one as well, which is growing really quickly, particularly in America. And I think that really kind of shows that these sports, which were traditionally very male-dominated, um, are having that real injection of... Uh, female interest and if the sports play their cards right and utilize that interest properly then yeah we could see a real shift in in the norm for a lot of these sports in a few years time and if, if skateboarding is an example of that then that's obviously fantastic but but yeah I think you, you could really see there's no reason why the women's game for rugby or football or so those are the biggest sports in this country why they couldn't match the men Um, but one one thing which this is going off topic a little bit which I don't know if you agree with but I think one of the pitfalls in women's sport in this country is sometimes they try to match the men in terms of so you got the men's sport and then they try and say right can we do the same thing but for women um, mm -hmm. so a big sport in this country is rugby I'm not sure have you ever heard of the Six Nations um, probably wouldn't have especially not in the The French side of Canada, but um, it's uh, basically so it's six nations. So it's uh, England, Scotland, Ireland, and Wales are the home, what we call the home nations, okay. and then Italy and France. Okay. It's a tournament that's been around over 100 years and it's um, grown over the years. But anyway, so the women have the women's six nations now, which which is which is great and it's it gets coverage. But you've got England are the best team by quite a long way. France are pretty good, and then unfortunately. Wales are pretty poor Scotland are pretty poor they haven't got the resources or the money or the finances to keep up so it leads to this really imbalanced tournament the men's tournament is incredibly close it's just finished actually this, this weekend was the last weekend um, obviously by the time this episode's released it'll been a while ago but as of recording it was quite recent and every game was really close it was like two or three points in it it was really close really really equally matched teams and then the women's side of it was the opposite really because England and France really dominated and the other teams almost were lambs to the slaughter. So my argument really is why try and do the men's game for women? Why not try and 
do something completely new with the women's game. So maybe in rugby, that might mean, why don't we have England playing against, say, America and Canada, for example, and go with like a whole new tournament, which is different and it had different rivalries and it has different draws and different crowds. And, you know, maybe the game should be made shorter or longer, or maybe there should be, I don't know, different color balls or whatever to try and make the, the sport different because in this scenario, different's good. Yeah. I'm saying, uh, yeah, yeah. So, uh, having that point of difference, can be a, it can be a good thing. So whether that be, you said, it could be um, different lengths of games or different rivalries, different tournaments, different trophies. Um, I said for a long time, they made the mistake in this country of playing the women's games at the same time as the men's games, um, which for me was like, you know, it, you're forcing people to make a decision. Should I watch the men? should I watch the women? And at the, at the moment, the women's game is behind the men's game in terms of various attributes and crowd sizes and money and all spectators and all the fireworks, everything else. So it's quite, it makes it quite a hard decision which way you go. Whereas if they move the women's rugby to, say, Friday night and did it like under the lights and it was, it was like you could go after work and watch it perhaps with like work colleagues it's, it's a different way to grow the game because it's not the same it's, it's a new it's a new exciting thing rather than just like a rebranded women's version and i don't know whether skateboarding necessarily has those issues but it could be something which could really help is try and sell the sport as a different thing say that the, the men have got their tournaments we've got our tournaments ours are better for this reason and we can sell them a different way and find a new audience I don't really know how, mm -hmm. how do you think that works in general in sort of female sport? That's a hard question, but I think the, the source of the problem is basically that, like, for example, like you said, like it's opportunities and I don't think, I don't know, for me, I think it's like, if we promote women's sport as like being as interesting as men, because like it's seen as like something that we don't even want, And so, of course, the little girls don't want to do it because, first of all, it's not on TV. It's not like it's nowhere to be seen. It's hard. Everybody's complaining that the women are not as good as men. So all the little girls don't even want to try. So if they don't try, then there's no, there's no one to be in these competitions. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think it's just a, it's a, it's a, it's a vicious cycle that we have. I um, read last week that. The media, like the traditional media, um, is only 5%, like for sports, 5% women and then 95% men. And I think that's the reason why I quit skate, like the competitive side of skateboarding when I was 16. <clears throat> and I think that's why most young girls quit too. So I think, I think it's not that it's not interesting. I think we make it seem like, because for example, in in um like we talked about tennis like tennis is a sport where it's all i don't i feel like i see almost in um as many women and men like on tv and stuff and um i don't know that's why if i'm trying to think top of head of a women's sport i'm like oh tennis maybe like you know what i mean but like it's only because we see women play tennis 
So yeah. like you can't be what you can't see, you know? And I think one of the really cool things about skateboarding right now is like in Canada, I'm getting a lot of interviews and I'm like on TV a lot and all the little girls see me. And I think a lot of parents like let me know that their young girl wants to start skateboarding because she saw me on TV or something, you know? So I don't know. I, I see it more of like, as like a um, lack of visibility and lack of opportunities and investments in women's sports. Like I see it more that way. And then that's why we don't have a lot of women who keep doing sports. Cause there's no mm -hmm. reason why women or young girls wouldn't want to become professional athletes other than like, it's not socially, um, I don't know how like the word, but like, it's not, not like promoted as a good thing yeah no i, I know i know exactly what you mean yeah like sign. literally like if if you look on the internet every women's sport like all the comments it's always like guys saying that uh women are not good women are not good but like you're saying that about the women but you're also telling all the young girls that they're never going to be good enough for your entertainment so i don't know i think it's a the problem is way bigger than just like I think the, 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 it's not that women can't do it. It's like, yeah, it's like we don't support the ones who want to do it enough. Yeah, you know, I mean, you're definitely right there. And I think, um, I think, I think, A, I think, as you mentioned before, it's like it's a subculture in skateboarding, which is even, which is really good because not only you're buying into a sport, but you're buying into sort of friendship group and that community. So, Mm -hmm. it's 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 a it's a double reason to get involved because it it's it's it's, it's life affirming and it's it's fully enclosed it's, it's really useful for that but also I'm, I'm sure the olympics will be that catalyst that it needs and it, what it really takes is the authorities in i'm not sure is, is it world skateboarding or world skateboarding authority whatever they're called um and to like uh, skateboarding canada and all the various teams and groups around the world they've got to really jump on that momentum which is going to be which is going to come from the olympics because it always does every sport gains that momentum from it and it's about how well you capitalize on it so women's hockey yeah. in this country <laughs> didn't capitalize too well on the success of the last olympics for gb cycling jumped on it really well so cycling had some success they invested a lot of sort of money and resources and now i think there's a hell of a lot of in this country young female cyclists who, who get involved in cycling now um, gymnastics had a massive boost following the Olympics back in 2000, 2004, um, diving did really well after 2008. So you're going to get that boost from the sport. Um, and then it's a matter of whether a, the facilities and B the, the teams, the networks and everything's in place to really capitalize on, on that boost. Because it, unfortunately, you know, a boost will fade people might take up the sport briefly but if there's not that system in place people slowly hang up the skateboard so to speak and, and get bored of it so it really depends on that on that right system being in place yeah. which which hopefully it will be because it'd be a shame if, if it doesn't okay so to finish really we've got this new segment which i've just launched for this this latest section of um, episodes and what i want is i want to have three life lessons from each guest so you're the first guest to come up so i want to give me i'm going to go through one at a time three lessons from life 
from you? <laughs> from skateboarding or life in general? Um, let's say your life in skateboarding, but it could take in stuff you've learned from... Yeah, because it's going to be... Anyways, I learned so much from skateboarding because that's what I do. So it's yeah. going to come up to that anyways. <laughs> so, well, something that we talked about, like the... Um, like just the way you look at failures in life, like in skateboarding, uh, if you try something a hundred times, fail 99 times and land it, like it's still, it's seen as a success. So I think that's, that's a life lesson that can be applied to um, way broader than skateboarding. Um, and then something that I learned is that you're never gonna be motivated if you don't love and have fun with what you're doing. So that sounds very cliche, but like the Olympic process taught me that um, in a very, like in a much deeper way than it sounds. <laughs> like I had to really go back to finding the reasons why I love skateboarding to be able to do it 40 hours a week. Cause I thought, oh, I love skateboarding. So if I'm paid to do it, it's gonna be like, there's no reason why I, I should be unhappy. Like this is my dream, but then it ended up being like, it was hard to get motivated um, because it changed the way I was skating and the reason why I was skating 40 hours a week. So um, maybe not 40 hours, but you know what I mean? So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, just try to keep that playfulness in like whatever you're doing, if you want to be motivated, that's very important. <laughs> and um, I think the third one I would say, um, set small like a lot of small achievable goals instead of having one big like very blurry goal in like five years you know what I mean like work towards a big blurry goal if you want but like have smaller steps to 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 be able to check off your list like once in a while to feel accomplished you know because it's important to I think for a long time I wasn't allowing myself to feel accomplished even though I was doing a lot so something that I learned is now I'm setting smaller goals and trying to be like grateful and content with what I'm doing. Okay. So to summarize, number one, prepare to fail basically. Um, mm -hmm. Number two was uh, love what you do. And mm -hmm. number three was uh, set short term goals achievable goals mm -hmm. which are three things which are applicable to sport they're applicable to life they're applicable to um people of all ages all abilities all demographics and wealth etc so really applicable to everyone there really good um okay so <laughs> finally to finish is there anything else you want to discuss from the world of sport or the world on the whole in any other business no, good. I think we, we covered so many subjects. I mean, do you have any more questions? Uh, no, no. I think <laughs> it was it was great. I really um I really enjoyed this one. And it was really um really do you know one of those interviews when there was a few questions there we spoke about which I probably wasn't really planning to talk about, but you yeah. kind of you get on these wormholes and the questions just lead to other questions and um mm. it was it was really great. <laughs> Lots to learn there. Okay, so so to finish then where can people find out more about you on social media yeah social media i'm 
active on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. And um, yeah, I have a website too. It's my name.ca. <laughs> so okay. it's pretty easy. Um, my Instagram, do I have to say my Instagram handle? Uh, yeah, yeah, might as well. It's going to be somewhere. So it's basically, it's my name. So it's Annie Guglia, but the A is the, I don't even know how it's called in English, but the at Annie Guglia. Uh, okay. <laughs> I thought I was funny like 10 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> it must be terrible having to explain it all the time. I went for the unfortunate <laughs> use of um, underscores. So ours is at tips underscore and underscore dips. Yeah. And I had there was someone else, believe it or not, someone else already had the handle uh, at hips underscore and underscore dips. I can't believe it. So I had to change the S to a Z. So yeah, I've now got to keep explaining it as hips yeah. underscore and underscore dips with a Z. time which i regret massively and i'm really annoyed about the old woman who wants to do a page about her hip replacement and stole my name um and he has like 10 followers and i can't Uh, use her name it really annoys me but that's regardless okay so so all i can do is say thanks so much for joining me it's been a really nice chat um and hopefully you're going to get that olympic qualification when it when it's possible which hopefully will be any day now and then um then yeah hopefully all the best for the olympics and what's to come so really nice to meet you thank you so much yeah thanks for having me right another great guest adds to the collection it's funny i obviously do a lot of preparation ahead of each of these interviews some of the guests i know a lot about i.e omar mezian or stuart lancaster others Um, I know a lot about their sports, i.e. boxing or rugby or athletics. But when preparing for this interview, it became apparent my knowledge of skateboarding doesn't extend too far beyond that of Bart Simpson. And my knowledge of Annie was even less. But I'm pleased to report learning about the skill and beauty of the sport was certainly enlightening. And meeting Annie was an absolute pleasure. I'm quite looking forward to seeing this Olympic schedule. One of the things I love about an Olympics, particularly one with the time difference, is the rogue breakfast Olympic TV. When you come out in the morning and you've got 20 minutes before you've got to leave for work and you find yourself watching the wrestling or the table tennis qualifiers. I feel that Olympic skateboarding may be a sport not many people circle on the calendar as a much watch event. But once it's on, I feel people will struggle to turn it off. Remember to check out the social media, which is at hips underscore and underscore dips with a Z for more details on Annie and all of my podcast guests from this first series. We'll be taking a break soon between the series, but trust me, I have a few great treats lined up for you in the weeks to come. Finally, this week, a little observation from the world on the whole and uh, particularly sports. We've had some great football fan activation in recent weeks. Much needed protests regarding club ownership and the creation of a European Super League. One observation is that all the protests I have seen seem to be alcohol fueled. I love a beer, but for me, the protest and the message that that protest is trying to convey is somewhat diluted when the protesters are drinking large amounts of beer. For me, it really muddies the water between a fun social occasion and a genuine pursuit of change. I don't recall Martin Luther King making his famous speeches 
while holding a can of cause light in one hand. Although I acknowledge those, uh, those scenarios aren't necessarily parallel. So all that leaves me to say is stay cool, stay rad, and as always, most importantly, stay safe.